0: Welcome to Homeschool Companion, your source for information, motivation, and inspiration. If you're part of the homeschool community or simply interested in learning more about home-based education, stay tuned. Together we'll examine the latest resources, learning styles, and teaching techniques. We'll speak with experts in the field to help you uncover every homeschool advantage. We'll also present suggestions on how to keep Christ in the curriculum as we explore fresh ways to teach and learn. Here's your homeschool companion host, author, educator, and children's ministry specialist, Dr. Rose Gamblin.
1: Welcome, welcome. I bet you never heard of this. Convoluta. The convoluta. And this is the verse that goes with it. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. John 8, 31. There's a creature that eats once in its lifetime, and then attempts to survive on that one meal while basking in the sun. This animal, called the convoluta, is a sea-dwelling worm about a quarter of an inch long. In the spring, when the convoluta first hatches, it gorges itself on microscopic plants called algae. After the convoluta is full, it eats no more, but simply feeds off the starches that the algae produce inside it. You might say that the convoluta has a garden growing inside of itself. The starch that it uses for food is produced by the process of photosynthesis that is natural to all green plants. Since sunlight is essential to the process of photosynthesis, the tiny worm spends every minute that the tide is out basking in the sun. Hundreds of worms gather in colonies along the coastline to tend their internal gardens. They continue to absorb the starches thus produced until their mouths degenerate and simply disappear because of lack of use. At this point, they couldn't eat any more even if they wanted to. But they don't have to worry because they have a permanent food supply. Or do they? As the days pass, it becomes evident that the convoluta needs more than starch to stay healthy. So since they can't eat anything else, they begin to digest the algae itself. When the last of the algae is gone, the convoluta dies of starvation. There will then be no more of these marine animals until the next spring, when a new batch of eggs hatch. There are people who think they can become sanctified Christians by taking one meal of truth and then living from the power of that one meal for the rest of their lives. Jesus advises us in today's text to continue in his word. Paul adds that we must continue in prayer also. He further preaches that we should continue in faith through much tribulation. So when you are suffering tribulation, think of it as spiritual food. Really a hard thing to think about. I know when I'm suffering tribulation, I'm praying for it to end. But here we have other advice. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. You know, there's so many mysteries that only you will someday be able to solve when we see you, when we get to be with you, when we can feel your hugs and your arms around us, when you wipe away our tears, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Ask that you be with our show today and our words that they will be your thoughts. All this I pray in thy holy name, amen. Tata Arts and Crafts. Arts and Crafts sounds like such a simple name for the most important part of the learning cycle, the experiential learning part where kids Put their hands and their creativity to the subject at hand and I've just been using what we did for our devotion but you can take this idea and every single thing that you do you can do something creative with it or ask your kids to think up something creative they could do well the our devotion today was on the convoluta which I found out has lots of other names now Mint. Mint being in the main one, mint, mint worms, mint green, yum. So in our arts and crafts section, I put some ideas there. I put a a research article on it because how can these worms, they live off the sun and photosynthesis, you know, and how that could relate to, to us as human beings. And then I put, you're going to have to figure out your own stuff to do with photosynthesis maybe, or something like that, because There was nothing about these convoluta. And if you want to send me something, I'd be more than happy because I felt bad that I only had like one or two things and the worms themselves are only about what, a quarter of an inch long. They can form big beds of stuff that look like seaweed and maybe they're good for you to eat, but I don't think they taste very good. Anyway, (laughs) whatever you do, you, you Bring out that curiosity in your ch- children. What about these crazy kind of worms, you know? Anyway, have fun learning. Curriculum Corner. Curriculum Corner could be named the path that you're taking for your children. This path includes spiritual nourishment physical nourishment, academic nourishment. It's three-pronged. And as you're thinking of switching from public school to homeschooling or public school to a private school, what things should you take into consideration? First of all, always keep your child's best interest in mind. It's not your best interest. It's what you think God's best interest, you know, pray, Lord, help my mind to be connected with your mind toward this child and what is the best interest of them. First of all, it has, there has to be a safe, it has to be safe. If your child doesn't feel safe in that classroom or in that school, you need to take steps to remove the child. They have to feel safe. They cannot learn without feeling safe safe. So today we're just going to say, keep the best interests of that child and their safety. If they didn't learn anything, it would be better than putting them in an environment where they do not feel safe. Safety. That is the first thing we're taking into consideration today. Safety. Does my child feel safe where they're at? Ask that question and then don't hesitate To make changes swiftly for the sake of that child's safety. I've had parents that went to the school board and went to the teachers and just kept on keeping on trying to change the environment so their child would feel safe. But unfortunately, it sometimes exacerbates it because then there's retaliation even from. The teachers, they might not realize it, but you get labeled a troublemaker that you minor in the, that you're just, you know, majoring in this minor situation. But for your child, it is a major situation. Put yourself into that child's mind, pray about it, and make sure your child feels safe. Questions Parents Ask Well, this is a great question. How do you determine the difference between rainbow and pride symbols? And I believe that rainbows are so beautiful and so lovely that I don't want my children to feel that it's something bad. And you know, the philosophy of a rainbow, meaning to include people of all different types of differences That's not a bad thing either. God has promised in his scripture, he goes, I set my bow in the clouds. I set my bow up there so that every time you see it, you will know that I will not ever cause another worldwide flood on the earth. So I think when we exclude rainbows, when we don't talk about them because of connotations that we don't want our children to know about, I think we really do a disservice. I think we should fill them with the beauty of the rainbow. There are all kinds of clothes with rainbows on it. Rainbows are, you know, they're just a beautiful thing. And so as you're thinking about rainbows, think about God and help your children to always replace the idea that God made the rainbow. Well, we've come to the end of the first half of our show. We've been talking with Thomas Lutz, and I hope you'll stay tuned, but we'll be right back.
2: You have been listening to Homeschool Companion a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.
1: Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Tom Lutz, and we were just beginning to unpack his story, uh, what which has culminated in this book, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work, A Guide for All Who Make Disciples. And of course, that is our job. We are a disciple, and we are to make disciples. And you can get this book at any book outlet, but you can go to his website, do you have a website?
0: Yeah, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it should be down there. www.convenenow.com slash tom lutz.
1: I'm sure it is somewhere. Okay, so here it is. convene now, and that's c o n v e n e n o w. dot and and then you should do the backslash and go tomlutz, tom lutz t o m l u t z. Or just type in "equipping Christians for kingdom purpose in their work," and I'm sure Google will bring it up to you.
0: Yeah, it's available. It'll be soon on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble, ChristianBooks.com. If you search Facebook, we've got a web page that has the link to the book, so it's readily readily available.
1: So you were, you know, you were following Paul's example because he did exactly. the tent making exactly, and so you were doing tent making in this business, uh. Even though you had a church and you were pastoring the church, mm-hmm. so you never had to take a salary from the church.
0: Uh, correct. We did in the early when it was first being started. Uh, <clears throat> but where where things led, so two things came about. Number one is, as a young pastor, I was writing my sermons, creating my discipleship material, uh, whatever Sunday school classes I would do, were all created in the workplace, with the natural result that I ended up applying the message to whatever was happening in the workplace and illustrating from whatever was happening in the workplace. Uh, And after years of doing that, I began to realize I talk differently than the average pastor. Uh, I, I taught a doctoral class recently, and I had my students go back and study Jesus' pedagogical method. And Jesus does the same thing. You can't read a parable of Jesus without recognizing that he's talking about somebody's job. Uh, And so in a class I'm teaching now, the assignment is read the book of Matthew, for example, and write down every time Jesus talks about someone's workplace or someone's job. Uh, The other component to it, though, was that there was some underlying tension in my mind about whether or not I had let God down. Mm. That's, you know, because in the back of my mind, I'm hearing these men and and women leaders that I knew saying to me, if you really want to serve God, you'll be... and so there was that tension. So, at, at, you know, I resolved that shortly after, you know, the change. But I recognized that a lot of people in in the pews in our churches have that tension. Is what the pastor's doing? Is what the worship leader's doing? Is what the seminary mm-hmm. professor's doing more important to God than collecting the trash or whatever other position they might my homeschooling kids. my kids? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know is 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 it really more important and again the mosaic is to me the key mm-hmm. is uh it's not more important to preach the gospel it's not more important to collect the trash it's just that the way that God has created the world the world does not flourish if both of those things
1: amen so uh you then must have left your company at some point
0: I did so it was roughly uh we started in 1980 uh, it kind of came to a head a little bit in 1987. The part, the company had grown by then to about 12 or $15 million. And the role that I was playing, the partners came to me and we said, you know, we need you full time. So you have to make a decision here. Oh, dear. You know, are you going to come here? And by then, I was 100% comfortable that that's where God wanted me to be. Uh, and frankly, by then, I had taken more of a... Uh, secondary position uh, in the church with that we had a, a, a full-time uh, uh, pastor. pastor at that time and I did a lot of the teaching and so forth uh, but I had actually by that point become changed my role to what we call a ruling elder which is okay. you know more the structural uh, guide of the church um, yeah so it was a good transition but it was during that period of time that this tension I just described that I think a lot of people experience is is does God care as much about what I do as what my pastor does, and the book hopefully makes it clear that there's no question about it. Why it's important for you know especially like um, campus ministers, homeschoolers, we've got to give people a vision for if if their passion is to be an architect or an engineer or a blue collar worker, whatever it is that that's okay yeah that 's what God wants I mean, because his world needs to flourish,
1: yeah, I grew up, and you either were a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, you know if you were a girl, you were probably a teacher or a nurse and if you were a boy you were a preacher or a doctor. Right. Those were your only And there selections.
0: was kind of a pecking order and, and somehow those were more important <laughs> yes. than but but again if you think about the mosaic, it, it's gotta work together. Yes. Right? You know, if the little the little pieces of gold down at the bottom aren't there, the the mosaic is less beautiful.
1: Yes. And did did the others around you in the business understand that these very sound biblical principles were what was making their business flourish.
0: Uh my partners did no doubt. Uh and it was um you know that was they looked at me as sort of the resident chaplain. Uh because I had you know I had the pastoral mm-hmm. degree um and so when those questions come but we were very conscious of integrating uh you know we didn't do a bible study in the morning and then go do work you know, our, our our faith infiltrated everything we do. And frankly, that's what I do. You mentioned convene. Uh, I'm semi-retired, and I work with uh, about 24 Christian business owners, which is my discipleship role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for them, it's all about, what does it mean that I'm the pastor of this congregation? What does it mean that I'm, I'm responsible to God for these employees, for these customers and vendors? Uh, and how do I be that image bearer of god in those relationships
1: and wouldn't that be wonderful if every business looked at their business as a church as a center of evangelism you know wouldn't that be wonderful yeah, yeah
0: uh you mentioned the barna study uh there's another study it's called christians at work Uh, And what it says is that I think the number, I may be wrong on this, but I'm going to use the number 27% of people are what they would call integrators. That's people who understand what we're talking about, that God cares as much about their work uh, as some other pastoral role. Uh, And then the rest are people who don't understand that connection. What they found is that those most prone to become involved in church programs, those most prone to give money to church programs, and as you mentioned, those most prone to share the gospel in the workplace fall into that integ- integrated category. So whereas a lot of pastors, I think, well, I don't want to talk to them too much about their business because they'll they'll stay focused out there. In fact, once people get this sense that God applies to all of life, they come back seriously to the church wanting to be discipled to be better yes. at, at what they do out there.
1: I mean, if you, if you thought about, of- you know i'm sure you have lots of scriptures that prove this but the basic one i think about is whatever your hand finds to do sure do it with all of your might so yep. god isn't saying whatever you find to do you're supposed to be a dis, you know a pastor or a You know, missionary, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever circle of influence he's put you in, you do it with all of your might.
0: Precisely, because God called you to do it.
1: Now, some of these principles that you're bringing to the table, the world is espousing. You know, I I remember my research, Mm -hmm. finding a lot of biblical principles in, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're, we're... People work because there's a important mission that their company is doing. Right. And so now we all, if we could figure that mission for our company, our people would work for less money because they're working for this good <laughs> cause, you know?
0: Maybe not for less money, but they'll certainly work <laughs> with more passion. Uh, Simon Sinek is a, a famous, uh, don't know that he's a believer, don't know that he's not, but he writes a, a book called Your Why. Uh, and he says that your customers buy from you because of your why. You buy from Apple yes. because, you know, the idea of design, mm-hmm. you know, and you're compelled and, and attracted to that. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking yes. about. with. So I think that's the same thing. Once that segment of, of believers in the pews understand that their calling, their God-given ministry calling is outside the church, then they come back to the church to be discipled. To do that better.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, I I had a little, a nice conversation with a dear friend the other day who volunteers for the organization I work with. But she'd gotten really mad at her husband and cussed him upside oh my. <laughs> down. Upside, you know, downside, whatever. And uh, and I've worked with her now for three years. And she's a young Christian. But mm-hmm. I said, you know, our language really does tell a lot about us you know and so if you think of peter the way that he could betray jesus he did it through his language sure and uh you know she she you know is humble and and recognizes uh, that yeah i said when you volunteer for a a christian organization then you become the face of that organization and i think you know, yeah, it's a it's a work, maybe it's a work, but out of the, out of the heart, mm-hmm. our expressions come.
0: No question about it.
1: Well, I really appreciate talking about this because I know so many of my, my children, uh, my my grandchildren haven't quite reached the workforce yet, but my own children are in a variety of mm. vocations. Some are working in banks and. Yep. Some are working in travel agency. Others are driving for Amazon. But each one of them, I can see, carries with them who they are. And and each one of us does that.
0: Absolutely. I can guarantee you my life would be left flourishing if Amazon drivers didn't bring us things on a regular basis.
1: <laughs> Amen little plug for Amazon there. Well, uh, what's coming up next? I don't want to end this show without you sharing what you plan to do next. For well,
0: of course, right now the book, uh, because of the um, supply chain issues, it yes. took forever to get it printed. Uh, it's, pu- it's published by Hendrickson, which is a division of Tyndale Publishers, so very yeah. large, lots of promotion going on. We're expecting it to be available. Uh, I got my v- actual copies less than a month ago. Uh, so it's it's exciting to see it out there. I'm doing a lot of talking, a lot of podcasts, you know, uh, so forth. I'm also working on another book, which will be on the Decalogue. Okay. Because if you think about this idea, if we're called to live as image bearers in the world, we call it the cultural mandate that God had called us to cause flourishing. Uh, the Decalogue is the guide, you know, the 10 moral laws yes. are the guide that we're called upon by Moses, for example, to mm-hmm. apply in whatever cultural context we're in. So that's um, that's, the next, that's the next venture for me, I hope.
1: Well, thank you so much for being thanks thanks with us. Thanks for having us. Me. I have one last thing to say, and that is God bless. Thank
0: you very much.
2: You have been listening to Homeschool Companion, a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.